0: Welcome to the Pondering Theologian podcast. I am the host, Nathaniel. Uh, In this episode today, we have a guest, our first guest here on the podcast. So we are welcoming Dr. Andrea Rasdale. She is a clinical psychologist licensed in the state of Michigan, uh, where she practices. And welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rasdale.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, who you are, you know, what you do?
1: So as you said, I am a clinical psychologist in the state of Michigan. Um, I work as an assistant chief of psychology and um, the department I currently work in is a primary care mental health integration department. Um, so that means if you went to your doctor and said, I'm feeling a little bit down, people like those I have on my team, they'd say, hey, do you want to talk to somebody? And, and they would bring somebody like my team members onto or into the room with you. Um, yeah, that's that's a little bit about who I am.
0: OK, wonderful. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about your faith?
1: Yeah, so I, um, less so now, but in the past used to refer to myself as sort of a religious mutt. Um, probably I realize now much less than others. I was best baptized in a Presbyterian church. Um, I attended a Methodist church growing up. Um, the story goes that in the third grade, I told my parents, I wanted to go to church. And that's how we ended up going. Um, I went to Christian camp from fifth grade to present day. Uh, My husband and I are still involved with the camp. Um, And they are more tied to the Methodist denomination. Um, And then the two universities that I attended, one is more Presbyterian, One is Methodist, um, but they are not Christian colleges. That was sort of their foundation.
0: Interesting. Okay. So it seems to run pretty far back in your history. Yes. So we've heard a little bit about um, a little bit about your background in psychology and faith. Um, What would you say makes you uniquely qualified to speak on the topic of faith and psychology?
1: I think one of the main things that makes me kind of uniquely qualified is the fact that a lot of individuals in sort of my side of mental health are not people of faith. Um, Maybe they have a broader sense of spiritualism that they are involved with, um, kind of falling more in an agnostic camp. Um, You know, they may believe in a higher being or feel kind of connected to the earth in some way but they do not identify as being a person of faith um or being connected to a specific denomination um, if we're thinking you know of the christian faith um or they're more they're more atheist as well and so as a person of faith and a person that studied psychology I think it gives me a unique perspective to see kind of where they can go together because so often people think they don't.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, well, I think the field of, of science in general, of which psychology falls under that realm, um, I think people often view them as opposing. Do you find that there's ever any opposition to your opinion in, say, a Christian setting, if you try to bring the two together?
1: Um, I think it depends on the setting. So there are those that are maybe a little bit more modern in their kind of viewpoints. You know, those are the individuals that may um, see the Bible as a mix of genres. They're not all historical fact. Um, but seeing some as, you know, um, fate, not fables. Um, help me out, please. Parables. Parables. It's a long day, y'all. Um, seeing them as parables that, you know, stories that we can take from and not those that are just specifically like identified by everybody as parables, but even certain books. Um, And so, some of those individuals I know have taken short classes in like cognitive behavioral therapy and they see the value of it. Um, Others are very traditional in their viewpoint. And so, their stance is very much just pray it away or, um, you know, God doesn't give us anything more than we can handle. Um, Some of these. Statements or beliefs that really downplay or ignore or try to um kind of devaluate what people are saying. Um and and so it depends on the particular kind of church and where they are in terms of progression.
0: Gotcha. What would uh what usefulness do you think there is in being more aware then of psychological facts and understandings in general as they pertain to faith? You know, you just outlined a little bit of a um, situations where there can be, I guess, like you said, downplaying, but also just, I guess, almost gaslighting effects of people with different mental, um, uh, positions or psychological issues and their faith. Um, so, but, but what, I guess, do you see that the usefulness is bridging more of this or do you think it just is bringing everyone more to an even plane of understanding?
1: Um, so I think it's probably both, right? If we look at older generations, um, You know, I work with a lot of veterans, and I'll have people that are in their 70s, 80s, who have very little psychological awareness. Um, Most of these, because of where I'm located, are white men. So if we think about the era in which they were raised, if we think about, you know, time and service, they were not taught to identify feelings. They were not taught to be in touch with their feelings. I mean, these are very one would say possibly basic um, psychological things that are impacting us throughout the day. And so not recognize, I mean, right? If we think of individuals with anxiety at times, they are so disconnected that some of them are going to the emergency room because they think they're having heart attacks or they think there is something very physically wrong. And yes, there is. But it's, it's anxiety, it's not a heart attack, it's not, you're not dying. Um, and so I think some of it is just increasing basic knowledge and yeah, getting us all on the same page. Um, and like I said, I mean, I have I have read it on people's websites for like Christian counselors. I have heard the stories from people saying, yeah, I saw this counselor at church and all they did was tell me to pray it away or have me read scripture, and that wasn't useful. It didn't give me anything to do differently. I was already praying as much as I think I could have, and yet nothing was changing. Um, And so I I think it's sort of just getting people basic understanding of how humans function, right? I think identifying feelings, that's not hard That's basic level. I don't want to say it's not hard stuff because if all you were taught was mad, sad, glad getting into nuances and understanding what to do with them and that it's okay to feel those ways is going to be difficult. Um, and then in terms of faith, life is hard life is so hard and we get this message of like you should always be so grateful and always so thankful and always so happy with the things that God does for you which yes that's true but like sometimes life stinks and you have somebody that you deeply love that dies unexpectedly and so like also acknowledging it's okay to have mixed feelings and acknowledging God is big enough. God can handle your anger. God can handle handle your disappointment, your upset. Like, bring it all. God will take it. And yet at times the church is saying, no, 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 I only want your joy. I only want your happiness is doing such a disservice to people. And it's closing doors and faces when people need them just thrown wide open.
0: I agree with that yeah um it kind of fits into um a friend of mine recently sent me an instagram post and i'm not gonna remember it all perfectly because I, I have that problem but the 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 crux of it all was that if we think of the psalms or we think of the book of job or even jonah um lots of places throughout the Bible, there is lament, there's deep lamenting. Um, and that on Christian radio stations today, where is those songs of lament? Mm. And so there seems to be this, this crafting, if you will, and kind of the, I, I like to pick on white evangelicals because there, there's, there's some deep run issues. Um, but I think just in the Western idea. Uh, and you can tell me your perspective from the psychological side, but is would you say that there is this kind of Western idea just of, you know, the the pill to make you happy or avoiding all those negative feelings or getting rid of those sorts of things?
1: So how many times people just want that magic pill or just like, where's the button to push? If I can just push this button, I'll be happy. I'll feel better. And it's like, oh, oh, beloved. That's not how this, that's not how this works. A, you can take medication. I don't do meds. I don't prescribe. Um, No interest in prescribing. Some psychologists are fighting for that right. Good on them. Not interested. Um, Some people think like I'm going to take this pill and it's going to make me happy. But it's trial and error. If, if they get it right on the first try, amazing, amazing. Um, but I find for a number of right, the research shows it's supposed to, not supposed to be the best results come from a mix really because the medication gets you to a spot where we can make behavioral change. So often people just want to feel better without actually changing anything in their lives. Um, And I think the church does the same thing in their own ways. Like We just want to stay in the same path. We want to keep doing the same things that we've always done and yet we feel confused when new people aren't coming in or when young people aren't coming in. But we did it for 50 years and so obviously it still must be good.
0: So do you think that is just a problem of willingness to address whatever the fault is?
1: So could be that, could be like just an inability to see from another's perspective, right? There's lots of people that really struggle to see outside of themselves. Um, A lot of times, weirdly, I sort of have the opposite where it's like, gosh darn, I wanna be like, I wanna be mad a little bit longer, but I understand from their perspective, why they might have done that um so sometimes it's just like their cognitive right their cognitive skills haven't been like stretched enough to see from somebody else's point of view and so if they don't automatically see it that way well it must be wrong like why would you think differently than i do because they just literally can't understand it um and then, yeah, sometimes you you kind of dig yourselves in too deep and so you feel really committed and you kind of double down. Or kind of a third, you know, I'm in a leadership training right now and we're reading a book about change and they talk about sort of the rider and the elephant. So the rider being that kind of self-control and the elephant being sort of the motivation. Um, and sometimes our rider like knows we have a problem but it can think itself in circles and it just can't figure out a good solution or the solutions are just, we had a big problem, so we must need a big solution and we don't have the the people or the skills for big solutions. So we kind of think ourselves out of actually changing anything.
0: Sure. Some of what you have been describing is um environmental issues, so to speak, environment the environment in which you have been raised, the environment of, of your geographic location, the environment of uh, whatever the, you are a product of environment in some ways you know you talked about the sad, mad glad like if that's all you've been taught, it's harder to move out to the other um, dynamics of emotions. Do you think that, there is i should say how easy do you think it will be or how much work do you think like there needs to be done to be able to change some of that perception do you think that like going back to the sad mad glad that has been an an understanding for a long time new hit uh scientific and psychological Um, Advances over the last 30, 40, 50 years has kind of changed the landscape, but it doesn't always seem like the Western idea has caught up with that or parts of the Western idea has caught up to that. What do you think is holding it back and what do you think needs to be changed?
1: Um, So I think it's some of those same things that I was saying that either people can't understand why others would want to do different. um, People... I think some of it, right, so if we think of different reasons there have been splits in the churches, um, right, over these kind of big LGBTQ, um, you know, allowing women in the pulpits, Um, some of this is just ingrained discrimination, Um, ingrained misogyny, ingrained um, homophobia, like, possibly ingrained racism, um, right? If <laughs> I've been to a number of churches across our country and God oh darn if I've actually found one that was like racially diverse. I have, it's a small handful, right? But it's been across like three or four different states and I've yet to find one that's like close to 50-50. And these are big cities that I'm going to, Right. Um, and so, some of it is people like to be around other people like them, right? You may look at couples and be like, "Hey, you guys kind of look alike. Like that's so funny." Um, and it's like people like to look at, be around people that are similar. Um, and then we get into groupthink, where we just keep kind of building each other up, and, and we may sort of punish those that are dissenters or those that bring up ideas that are different um we may set it up in our churches so they can't actually participate you know i heard from somebody about a church where they welcomed those that identified as lgbtq plus but like you could be a parishioner but that's it like you can't be in leadership you can't you can't actively help shape and mold the church so it's a loving environment for everyone but like we'll smile and we'll shake your hand in passing of the peace
0: right you're that's welcome. good enough right you're welcome in the door but there's your seat don't move sort of thing
1: yeah yeah very much so
0: gotcha so it sounds from from your assessment of it that kind of stuck some places are stuck in these ruts so do you think it uh, is having to have someone come in and shake up the the system? Because um, you mentioned a couple times now the why would anyone else think differently? Um, and that I can I could see that from my perspective across the different states that I've lived in and different places, uh, people I've interacted with that that is a, a common enough. Thought so. For those, is it like a a shock the system sort of thing? Is it a mix of slow exposure? Um, What what would be your assessment?
1: Um, So shocking the system, right? I think depending how you did it, might be too much, and they would sort of like furrow in on themselves. But we don't want to be so slow. Like, say we would love for our church to be more racially diverse. Um, Right? Everybody's made in the image of God, and yet everybody is Caucasian. So we want a more racially diverse congregation. Or we want one that matches the city we live in. Maybe you're in a big city that's more um, diverse. You don't want it to be so slow, though, that, like, I come to know June, or Beth and like, but these, are these are really exceptions in my mind. They don't represent like the whole group. I come to know them as individuals and it's like, well, they're okay, but they're not really like other black people. Um, or they're not really like other, um, Asian Americans. They're, they're different. We don't want that. Um, honestly I mean if we look at research so sometimes they've done where they had people kind of it was it was a study on politics so you like set your stance and then they have you write an essay from the other perspective and it it sort of moved people closer to the middle um and so maybe if we do I don't know, possible exchanges to other churches that we're trying to like build partnership with that are different than us. Um, It may be having leadership that is like kind of slowly moving them forward. Um, It's going to be a balance between I don't want to go so quickly that we're losing people and they're fleeing the church or they're just doubling down. But I don't want to go so slow that we're really not doing anything
0: makes sense. Do you think that um, there is a place for the institution that is um, the church or some denominations getting involved in facilitating those? Um, For instance, there's a church that I know of that they are in the search for a new pastor and part of their denominational governing uh, body for their region, um, part of the rules that that governing body has is you need to at least consider and be trained in uh, like sensitivity training of sorts uh, with different ethnicities and that as you're considering hiring someone, you need to have it open and you need to be searching actively for Uh, uh, for diversity in your potential pool. So that is very much kind of controlling, if you will, that hiring process Um, or at least having a hand in it to make that happen. Do you think that that is something that is needed or do you think some form of that is needed? Um, I should clarify that that church is in a very, uh, very, scrubbed atmosphere it is just it has been white for a very long time and there's not a whole lot of diversity in that area so that it gives a little more context to what I'm asking here so someone of a different ethnicity is not normally in that area
1: um so I I think certainly talking to them about like we should be open possibly doing blind reviews blind interviews possibly if you can kind of set that up um so you're basing it on the actual person upon their um kind of credentials and and the legitimate fit I think would be fine um but if we're forcing a church in that area like if we're saying you have to have somebody that's not white I I think there's the possibility that like you're gonna leave them without somebody for a long time um if it's a more populous area i mean if it's chicago indianapolis like ideally that go with you know that go without saying because those are diverse cities like you should you shouldn't have like just a caucasian applicant pool in my mind if you do like, yeah, there's something wrong with the church or there's something wrong with the governing body at large. Um, that's, you know, there's a lot of talk in psychology about the fact that the field of psychology is predominantly white. Um, some of it being that there's racism at different levels or there's discrimination. And so like people aren't Like, how can we hire psychologists if they didn't get into like a good, like if they were discriminated against and didn't get into a good enough bachelor's program, or if they weren't shown role models to even have the idea, like I could become a doctor of psychology and to then start applying to doctorate programs. Um, and, And so I don't know how much you would possibly know more. I don't even know how diverse... The, the pool of like of pastors in America is um, and so I think if if there's discrimination further down the line I think sometimes putting that burden on a church is going to make it hard I absolutely think we need to be addressing it but I want to address it at like the right level first and then we'll sort of work it up the chain
0: The whole systemic uh, change is is more what your position would be that there there should be some way of overseeing it, but that we also need to have systemic change, not just forced change in small sections.
1: Right at sort of the end of the chain. If we think of sort of like high school undergrad seminary and then you know becoming a pastor as sort of this chain of events like how am i supposed to get somebody when back here people were getting weeded out that would have done actually a really great job like i can't help that
0: yeah yeah i get that I would like to pivot a little bit away from this, um, hopefully in the future, we can have you on and we can continue kind of down this route. I did want to ask you, um, you have a Instagram of where you are, uh, active and you put out different thoughts of the day and different things where you address issues. Um, please, could you uh, share with us what that handle is and I'll make sure I put it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, so it's talking psych with Doc Raz. Um, I do my best to share a little bit each day as much as Instagram might fight me.
0: <laughs> Social media does have that um, that problem I found sometimes when I'm trying to upload episodes. Um, but anyway, on your um, Instagram the other day you posted a reel with your thoughts about the word try. In that, you express the issue you take with normal American usage of the word. Uh, could you explain uh, that for us here? What what is the matter with our general usage of the word try?
1: Right. So, so often when people say, oh, I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that. In my mind, it leaves the door for kind of quitting or for failure. Um, there's this possibility that it's not going to work, right? Because the past, you know, the other side of that is, oh, well, I tried. Um, And so in that reel, I just talk about the fact that like, I might tweak the wordage and say that I'm working on it or it's a work in progress or like something, something along those lines, Um, because If it's a work in progress, like, even if you're not where you plan to be yet, or even if it, you know, there's a lot of roadblocks that you're hitting, like, you're still in it. You're still working on it. Um, And so thinking of, right, in the church, we may have people that say, oh, I tried to read my Bible every day. That means they're not working on reading the Bible every day anymore. Versus I'm working on reading it every day. You know, I may get four days a week, but I'm working on it. Um, so yeah, that that's just kind of the real is is encouraging people to kind of tweak their language.
0: Gotcha. Um, is there issues with other words in our society? I, I suppose what I mean is is there a problem with the way that we use words and the way that our shifts our perceptions, uh, attitudes, or uh, opinions? You know, I, I put out an episode early in the podcast asking the question of, are they evil? And looking at the word evil and its connotations um, and how it completely changes the way that people think about anyone they call evil. Do you think that there's other words that get in the way of our personal or spiritual development like that?
1: Yeah. Um. So, you know, I can't think of like specific words, but I think language shapes so much our perception. It shapes so much how we interact with the world. Um, And so, I mean, in terms of psychology, right, depending how we talk about stuff, um, I mean, I've spoken with people where I get, I get frankly a bit frustrated in my seat as a therapist because... There's really no room for change in the way they're speaking about things. They see things as final, they see them as permanent. Um, and so it's like, why are why are we here? Um, right? We see certain words in the church and how people internalize them influences their relationship with God. And so if people think I'm unlovable, I am. I mean, we're all unworthy, right, of of the glory um, and the forgiveness that God has given us. And yet he loves us so much. Um, And and so if people get sort of stuck on that unworthiness versus like the rest of it, which is ideally where that focus should be, right, is more on like the amazingness of God versus becoming so self-focused on myself. Um, and, And so... I mean I'm challenging people like in session I had a gentleman talking about a hobby and it's like I'm just not there I'm just not interested and and we're working on depression and getting him kind of back into things and I made the comment about like can we add the word yet like I'm not there yet um, so often in language people kind of delete hope through their language um, there's no room for hope or just the possibility that things might be different based on the way that they're speaking.
0: Interesting. I have not ever heard it framed in that way of deleting hope just by the words that we choose, but that is that seems quite powerful. Um,
1: I what mean, is, it, go ahead. Well, it makes me think of, right, your episode where you're explaining your end phrase oh,
0: right the, well, you are you are love so much God and there's loves nothing you. Do about that
1: yeah I mean there are people based on the way that they speak it shapes their mind so much that that they would be hard-pressed to believe that episode I remember um, somebody that was part of campus life in high school with us and they went to a different school but I I don't know what they did, but they thought based on some action they had taken in the past, they were completely unlovable by God. They were completely irredeemable. And, and so like that's somebody, right, who hopes been deleted. There there is in their mind no possibility of reconciliation with God.
0: That's that's humbling and powerful powerful and and just terrifying to think of how powerful our words can be in that way. Um, what is a way that you might recommend or suggest going about the words that we choose or a way in which we can better position ourselves in our own minds rather um, or in the worlds around us to be more successful or more influential? to spread that, that hope or that love or whatever it may be.
1: So, right. So when I think about it towards ourselves, sometimes we'll use sort of the, um, we'll ask people like if your friend said that or your friend was in this situation, um, excuse me, friend, family member, um, whatever, like, would you think that was okay for them? Would you think that was a that was an acceptable sort of thought or that was a realistic thought? Right. I don't I don't judge whether that's a good thought or not. I go for sort of is it is it more realistic? Um because so often people are black and white, and then people come and see me, we can think of sort of in that black. Um and, and so it's just trying to get it more realistic, more sort of in the middle. Um, and then you know, when you hear When you say something, pay attention to it. Um, And if it came out of somebody else's mouth that you really cared about, what kind of reaction would you have to it? If it was like a, oh, like, hey, now, then maybe you need to be looking at that thought yourself. But I honestly need to back up and just encourage people to work on paying attention to their thoughts. So many of them, And for so many of us, we're so busy and we're so action-oriented, we're missing what's going on up here. Um, For some of us, more like myself, it's like a monologue. There's just a lot of talking. Um, But for those that are more action or they're, they're so busy, those thoughts become automatic. They're white noise. And so you may not notice the thought, but you notice the reaction. You notice your mood go down. You notice a change in your behavior. And so first, I just encourage, try to figure out what's going on, and then try to look at it objectively. Um, And then in terms of our thoughts towards other people, again, pay attention to those words. Um, I was told about a church that had prayed for the wicked of the city they were in. They prayed for, I think, maybe the evil in the city. Um, And it's like, oh... Like, yes, the Bible talks about wickedness and evil, but like the people in your city are just broken too. We're all in the same playing field. And yet like you talking about praying for the wicked, in my mind, there's creating a separation. And so you're mentally seeing yourself as better than them. And let's be honest, y'all, in God's eyes, I mean, unless you're in the Catholic church, and there's like a hierarchy of sins and stuff. But for most of us, like, it's all the same. We all in the same ugly little sinful boat and God's trying to get us all out. But if that's how you're advertising it, it's shaping the thoughts of those those members, yourself, as seeing yourself as better than those other people or that there's something wrong with them that's not wrong with you.
0: so i what i'm what i'm getting is that the words can completely affect our communities and how welcoming we are even as as a church if the thing that we are putting out there is is i mean the perception is not very kind if you're calling someone wicked yes like you mentioned in the bible it does describe our actions as such and we are all of a sinful nature and corrupted humanity if we want to get real deep into doctrine there's lots of other words there but going out onto uh the steps of wherever or shouting it out on your social media on the news whatever it may be does not create a a welcoming loving atmosphere so it completely changes this place that's supposed to be a hope filled and loving building into a place that seems condemning and unkind, hateful, whatever other perception might come from that. Okay. Well, we are running out of time for this episode. Dr. Rasdale, we appreciate you coming on the podcast so much. Hopefully, we can have you back in the future. I know that you are extremely busy. Um, would you mind letting our listeners know where they can come find you, where they can learn more about what you have to say? And between now and the next episode, you can visit us.
1: Yep. So, again, the Instagram handle is talking psych with doc browse. Um, I have a few other things in the works, but they are not quite up and running yet. But when they are, I'll let you know.
0: We will keep everyone posted. Um, one last question. I know I said we were ending it. What What would you say or where would you recommend if someone wanted to go find out more about the psychological sciences and um, things like that? Where is the best place you would recommend to go for information or education?
1: Um, I mean, honestly, I can give some like, book suggestions. Um, I mean, there's some really good channels on Instagram. Um, there's information out there. If somebody is just saying pray it away, probably run. Um, run far, run fast. Um, it's, it's becoming more a part of our culture, right? We see them teaching little ones some really good skills that probably adults need. Um, but they're starting with younger kids recognizing the value of like mindfulness um, meditation things like that there's a lot of great apps as well um, depending what you're looking for
0: thank you we will uh, link some in the show notes and on the website maybe we can have you uh, write out some suggestions for us to put over there as well Thank you again, Dr. Rasdale And as we end this episode, let us know what you think. What questions might you like Dr. Rasdale to answer the next time that she is able to come on the podcast? All of our contact is down in the description. You can go to the website. We have social media. You can email us. Remember, God loves you so much, and there's nothing that you can do about that. We will see you in the next episode.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on, Dr. Rasdale. Hey, this is Nathaniel, the Pondering Theologian. I want to thank you so much. If you made it this far, you're listening to this message. I appreciate you, and I appreciate you listening to The Pondering Theologian. I would ask that if you find any value in these episodes that you would rate it on whatever platform it is that you are listening on right now. And if you find value in this, if you would share it with someone who needs to hear the message of whatever the episode it is, If it is on the love of God and someone needs to hear how much they're loved, please share that with them. If it is on the dynamic aspect of the Christian faith and how it is so much more than the little boxes that it can get put in, share it with someone. If it is just as a way to have a conversation, please share it with someone, share it on social media. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate you talking about it. I appreciate you rating the podcast. It helps the podcast out and makes it so that we see the need and the value in creating more content. So thank you from the bottom of my heart and I'll see you on the next episode.